Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. At a time in a day, on this night, when everything around us is anything but the instability. But I wonder if this isn't God's way of saying, you need to lift up your eyes and look at me seated on the throne and take your eyes off of man. Because I'm seated on the throne. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Song of Songs. Sometimes it's good to have a change in perspective. Today, Pastor J.D. will challenge you to change your thinking. What if the confusing things of the world are meant to remind you that the Lord is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace? What if the hard things are meant to draw you closer to Him? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Song of Songs, Chapter 1, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. First of all, the gold, of course, speaks to divinity, and it also speaks to value. And it also speaks to how, like our faith, it's like gold that God purifies and makes more valuable. How? By subjecting it to intense heat, to bring to the surface all of the impurities. And then when the heat brings all of the impurities to the top, the goldsmith then takes and scrapes the dross off of it, and then he knows he has pure gold when he can see his image reflected in that gold. That is valuable. Dare I say, priceless. That's just the gold. What about the silver? Oh, interesting. Silver is the metal of redemption. Do you see what's happening here? He is not only her shepherd and king, he's also her redeemer and her God with the gold and the silver. Now verse 12, I believe a reference to the communion table. Understand that communion is to commune with, a common union. And to understand it in that culture is so important. We miss it in our day, in this culture. You have to understand that when you break bread with somebody, you become one with that person. Because the idea is that bread that is in you is the same bread that's in me. It's a common union. We become one. So she says, while the king is at his table, my spikenard sends forth its fragrance. Oh, she's going to dine with. Now she's already in the chamber because he's taken her away at her request to be with Him, intimate with Him, and now she's at the table with Him, and it is fragrant. And again, this speaks to the communion table with our King of Kings. Verse 13, here it is, a bundle of myrrh 
is my beloved to me that lies all night between my breasts. Okay, hang on. A little bit too much information there, but we'll work with it. What's she saying here? Oh, close to my heart, between my breasts. What's between your breasts? Oh, interesting, the bundle of myrrh. You know what the myrrh speaks of? You understand that myrrh was a burial spice. This was at a time before the modern day burial and and how they embalm and you know it's back in that day they only had these fragrant spices at the time of burial. You know what she's talking about here? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is what she is putting close to her heart, keeping close to her heart. And again, it speaks of love. And here's why. Because no greater love has any man than he laid down his life for another. You must really love me because you died for me. Interesting too about myrrh. It's a spice, an an herb that when, first of all, it's very bitter, but when you crush it, it releases a magnificent fragrance. I think about the church in the book of Revelation, the church of Smyrna, one of only two of the seven churches for which there was no rebuke for the Lord. It's affectionately referred to as the persecuted church. The name is the nature, Smyrna, myrrh, bitter persecution, but when crushed, fragrant before the Lord. Verse 14, my beloved is to me a cluster of henna blooms in the vineyards of En Gedi. Now, for the benefit of those who have never been to Israel, it's one of those places you just have to see to believe. I mean, it's an amazing place. Uh, it's very arid, very dry, very barren. It's there in the area of the Dead Sea, <laughs> but it is also an oasis of sorts, and it's a hideout. And in fact, it was where David hid when Saul was seeking after him to kill him. It was a safe place, an oasis, a place that you could run to and hide in and be safe in. And what she's saying is, you are like that oasis, that hiding place for me. Verse 15, his response, behold, you are fair, my love. Now at first read one might think, fair? That's all I am, I'm just fair? Fair to Midland? I mean, I'm not, I'm just fair? No. If you only knew in the original language what this word means and what it would have meant, it's like this, you're ravishing. Is that too much? I hope not. You are, you are just, I mean, 
I'm going to stick with ravishing because I don't want to. <laughs> Some of you are saying, thank you, pastor, so much, because that's good enough for me. That does it for me. Okay, ravishing. My love. Ah, can I just go one step further? My lover. My lover. Oh, come on. Don't we sing and say, lover of my soul? He is our lover, the lover of our soul. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. Oh, wait, is that good? Yeah. (laughs) Again, husbands, not necessarily um, something you want to say to your wife. You know, I'm looking at your eyes and you have dove's eyes. (gasps) How? Guys, listen, it's kind of like when your wife comes up to you and says, do I look fat in this? No! The right answer, no, of course not! I digress. You have dove size? What's this about? Oh, the dove is a type of the Holy Spirit, right? And what's the fruit, singular, of the Holy Spirit? Love. It's been said that the eyes are the window to the soul. And he says of her, you are ravishing. And isn't it true that it's the woman's eyes? They'll get you every time. And that's what he's saying. I look into your eyes. And by the way, you are ravishing. Your eyes captivating because of what I see in your eyes. Verse 16, Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Listen, wives, I just want you to know, you probably already know this, but maybe you need to be reminded of this. Your husband needs to hear this all the time. (laughs) No, for real. They need to hear it. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor Mike. That ship sailed a long time ago. Oh, really? Also, being handsome and beauty, it's all outward. If I'm not mistaken, uh, when you did your vows, didn't you make a vow that in sickness and in health? I mean, (laughs) beauty is fleeting, and it's the inward beauty. Uh, You know, I probably, yeah, I think I will share this. I don't want to You know, sometimes I go back and forth with the Holy Spirit, but sometimes it's a word fitly spoken. I think this is a word fitly spoken. So uh, my wife, uh, arguably, is uh, just, I mean, she is stunning. I remember one time somebody said to me, you know, your wife looks like Nicole Kidman. And I said, no, she doesn't. Nicole Kidman looks like my wife. You know, you learn these things over the years. You know, it took me a while, but I got it. Beautiful woman, beautiful woman, on the outside and the inside. When our daughter Noelle died, her outward beauty meant nothing. It was her inward beauty that meant everything. I tell you, outward beauty is, I mean, (laughs) nothing wrong with the outward beauty, but if you're basing your relationship on that, it is a faulty foundation, and it's just a matter of time, because 
sooner or later, usually sooner. (laughs) I wish it was later. But you know, the guy's hair that he was, you know, when he was younger, so cool. I know I mentioned this last week. I have many requests now for pictures of me and my afro. I'm not even going to go there. You know, I have so much hair, and I think now I don't because God was saying, well, that's what you get, because I was really into my hair. So I don't know why I got back on the hair, but you know, the hair, if you still have it, it goes gray. And oh, by the way, uh, the face, you know, everything, it's called gravity, right? We talked about this. Everything just kind of, well, it goes south, literally. It, um, and the wrinkles, and you know, you just don't look like you did when you were younger, now that you're older. So, but guys need to know that you have eyes only for them. And in your eyes, they're still handsome. Why are you looking at me like that? (laughs) They need to hear it. Don't even get me started on the wives, husbands. Reminds me of that story about the husband who never told his wife he loved her after they got married. And then finally she just, you know, couldn't take anymore. And she says to him, honey, you never say you love me. You never tell me you love me. To which he responds, hey, I told you I loved when we got married. That should be good enough. You know, in the book of Proverbs, one of the things that the earth cannot stand up under, it's on a list, It's a wife who is not loved. The earth cannot stand up under that. Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. (laughs) You imagine that you come home at the end of the day, guys, and your wife's there to greet you, and she says, oh, There you are, handsome. Come on in. Our bed is green. What happened? (laughs) What, What did you do? What happened? What's this speaking of? It's speaking of peaceful rest. Peaceful rest. Think of it like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There shall be nothing I will ever want. And He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's where I'm fed. He sets the table before my enemies. He feeds me, but He also, notice, He has me lie down. Oh, I need to lie down. I need that rest. And it has to be a peaceful rest. My rest is in Him. Come to me, Jesus would say, all you who are heavy laden, burden weary, battle weary, and I will give you rest for your soul. And then verse 17, I mean it just ties a bow on the whole chapter at the end of the chapter. The beams of our houses are cedar, and our rafters of fir. Can't think of a better way to end the chapter. You know what this is saying? The cedar beams, the rafters, 
They are so strong and stable. At a time in a day, on this night, when everything around us is anything but the instability. But I wonder if this isn't God's way of saying, you need to lift up your eyes and look at me seated on the throne and take your eyes off of man, because I'm seated on the throne. Stability, security. I just wonder, is this what it's going to take? Because if you really think about it, whatever it takes, right? I mean, the question has to be asked and answered, and I don't want to go too far into this, but I think it needs to be said. The question needs to be asked and answered, how much longer are we going to continue to hang on to this world, not our home? I mean, I have to confess, and I've shared this before, and I'm just being very open with you on elections, presidential elections. I was devastated. And I went into a funk for weeks. I'm not exaggerating. That's not hyperbole. Not this time. In fact, my wife commented, she says, why are you so calm? So I because, number one, I saw it coming. And number two, for the first time in my life, I'm not putting my hope in an election. Thank you for clapping. Man, you'd think I committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit when you say stuff like that. Sunday's update. Ah, one more thing. <laughs> Can I? <laughs> Why not? I brought up this issue of Christians being more unloving than non-Christians. And just the vitriolic, hate-filled social media posts, calling Democrats, demon rats. How are you going to share Christ with them when you demonize them like that? And I brought up Hunter Biden. Here's a guy who has hit rock bottom. You know how humiliated that man is? And Christians are piling on with such arrogance such haughtiness. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. So I basically said that, not quite like that. But all the comments, Pastor J.D. voted for Biden. <laughs> Pastor J.D. is pro-abortion. You know, at some point, and I, I tell you, the sooner the better, <laughs> Because God is a jealous God, not of us, for us. And when we have other gods that we're putting our trust in. You know what's interesting? Isaiah, it was when King Uzziah died that he looked up, not before. Sometimes I think our King Uzziah has to die. 
whatever that King Messiah is. That King that is seated on the throne of our lives. And it's then and only then that we look up. And I wonder, lastly, okay, for sure lastly, (laughs) I wonder if it's not the Lord, just hear my heart please on this, I wonder if this isn't the Lord saying, uh, what are you going to rest on and rest in now? The foundations have been shaken, the throne unsettled. Why don't you look to me? This is really uncertain. I'm not. This is really unstable. I'm not. (laughs) This is really scary. Well, I'm not. Is this what it's going to take? Is this what it's going to take? Okay, this will be the last thing. It just came to me. You know, we were talking about Elijah on Sunday, and it kind of hit me. I I've still just kind of been struck by the whole Elijah thing and how he was upset with God because God didn't drain the swamp of Ahab and he didn't lock her up with Jezebel and he fully thought that there would be national revival and repentance and that he would make Israel great again and it didn't happen. But you know what did happen? Oh, he was raptured up to heaven, the chariot and horses of fire. So stay with me on this. I wonder if God would have went to Elijah prior and gave him a choice. Said, okay, Elijah, here's the deal. It's your choice. You can either make Israel great again, drain the swamp, lock her up. You can have all that behind door number one, or behind door number two. Check out this chariot over here and the horses. And oh, by the way, Elijah, I know you like fire. I got fire, lots of fire. I want to take you to heaven. Look, where I come from, they call that a no-brainer. I wonder if that's the question before us today. Do you want four more years? Make America great again. Lock her up. Drain the swamp. You can fill in all the rest of them. Or behind door number two. Oh, I, it's not even a question. There's no choice. I mean, that's not even really, that's, come on. That's a no-brainer. That's a slam dunk. Can I say it like that? I just did. It's a slam dunk. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you haven't yet found a church home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. A church family can be a source of support, comfort, and most importantly, faithful prayer warriors. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor JD's additional teachings, as well as his Mideast prophecy updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor JD's ABCs of salvation there. This is a great tool to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. Again, that website is in spiritandtruthradio.com. And specifically from today's message, Song of Songs is a book that many tend to shy away from. But when you read it through the right lens, it's a beautiful love story. God created love as something pure and something to be enjoyed. Relationships are gifts from God. As we continue to study Song of Songs with Pastor J.D., we hope you've been encouraged to view relationships in a new way. And not just earthly relationships, but your relationship with Jesus. The Bible is full of beautiful stories that can be applied to your life, so keep diving in. Well, that's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us next time for more from God's Word, right here on In Spirit and Truth.